Hello, everyone, and welcome to Seaview Quantum Network. I'm your presenter, Daniel, and I'm here with producer Claudia Pareka. We are cosmic beings, beings of light. A single moment of your time is one of the most extraordinary gifts we could ever be given. We are honored every time that we receive one of those moments. We are honored, overjoyed, privileged, and humbled. We serve in your presence. Our shows are held on Mondays and Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern U.S. time, 9 a.m. Pacific. At any moment to participate on one of our shows, please call 805-830-8344 and press 1 to talk with the host. All podcasts are easily found in all social media and are available free, live, or on demand. To request a show, please write to Claudia Pareco, CView, 1111 at gmail.com or visit our website cview1111.net Call for free at 805-830-8344 and wait in line or use Take My Call and for $11 you can jump the long list of callers. Do so at www.paypal.me slash p-u-r-e-c-o slash 11 and then please p.m. or email Claudia Pareco with the phone number you'll call the show at cview1111 at gmail.com Now, let's listen to our host and topic of the day. Thank you, Danny, and welcome everybody to CBU 2021 to our monthly show, Seeking Divinity, and today's episode, The Kundalini Reveal with Sati Chappelle. Remember, any more information about Sati, you can go to SeekingDivinity.com. This is a call for everyone that is looking to be part of the chakra intensive online certification or the online tarot certification program we are taking name and the class will start summer of 2021 so contact sati and let her know you are ready are you looking for true inspiration the kind of inspiration that will help you to realign with the vision you have for your life, the inspiration that will help you to clarify and live your deepest purpose. If so, chances are strong that you were drawn to this show and you were as called and with your inner fire, the flame of your inner being that is eager to cast a warm light on your dreams. Many have called this inner feminine energy the Kundalini. And it's very misunderstood in in some cases and we don't know enough about it. But now we're gonna bring Sati who's going to let us know more about the Kundalini. And while she explains us, I'm gonna start taking names and for questions that you wanna make in any area of your life. Sati, welcome. 
Hey, hey, Miss Claudia, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good. Do you know that we had snow on Tuesday? Yes, that's just three days ago. And as a matter of it snowed a foot in the mountains, which is not too far from me, just like, you know, across the across the way. Yeah. Wow. This is happening <laughs> as as in the southern where I am, we're getting hotter and it's almost summer like for like here. Yeah, well, today is supposed to be summer. Like today, we're supposed to have um, mid-70s, which I'm, like, so excited for. But, yeah, I just had to start the show with saying to everybody, yes, we got snow <laughs> just a couple days ago in May. <laughs> yes, and this is in Colorado. So people wondering where in the world there's snow, <laughs> Colorado <laughs> has it. Yeah, that's a good reason that you said that. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sati, we are going to talk about the Kundalini. You're going to reveal this information to us. Like, what prompted you to talk about this, uh, to bring this topic today? Well, the funny thing is the guides asked me to speak on it. Um, so, you know, I whenever they say anything, I tend to jump and um, put anything and everything aside. We spoke last uh, month about the root chakra um, from which the kundalini stems. And we, the month before that, spoke about the agnya chakra, if you guys remember, which is the third eye chakra, um, the one in the center of the forehead. And that is one of the... Um, ultimate destinations, let's say, of kundalini. Now, granted, the kundalini goes a little higher than that. It goes to the um, crown chakra, the sahasrara, which is just such a fun word to say, so mm -hmm. I invite you to try it. <laughs> um, but it's right above the third eye chakra, um, at the very top of the crown. And so I think the guides wanted us to kind of illuminate this whole a reason for even working with the chakras, even understanding the nadis in which I have also been speaking um, over the last couple of shows, and um, kind of bring it all, tie it all up into a nice, neat little package so we understand, like, why? There's always that question, why? Why do we need to know about the chakras? Why do we need to understand any of the spiritual stuff? And what is the point of the kundalini? And what is the point of our lives here on earth? Hopefully, we'll get all of those questions answered today. Great. So one of the, oh, sorry, I didn't know if you were still there anymore, honey. <laughs> <laughs> always here. Yes, you are always there, but not always verbally. Um, one of the things that I did want to mention that I was really happy to hear you say, Claudia, is that, um, you know, there is a lot of confusing and conflicting information out there. And, you know, Westerners have been looking at the idea of the Kundalini for the last roughly 100 years, um, give or take a decade, give or take a decade, not a 100, give or take a decade. The... Um, East Indians um, who are suffering so much from 
the latest surge of COVID over there um, at this point in time. They have been studying the Kundalini for centuries, and I'm not kidding about that. 13, as a matter of fact, 13 centuries they have known of and have been studying about the Kundalini. So it's really interesting. I, I like to say to people, if you really want to understand more of the, the truth of Kundalini and not have so much um, conflicting information, you go to the source. You go to the place where you find the most information and the longest term of uninterrupted study. And that's going to be the yogis of India. So that's where we're going to be uh, speaking from that perspective today. How's that sound? See, I told you sometimes <laughs> you go away verbally. <laughs> All right, darling. Well, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much, and welcome to my show today on the Kundalini. Some of you have heard about this, and uh, some of you may not have heard about uh, the Kundalini. Um, hopefully, by the time we're done today, you'll have all the information you need. The word, word, the word was first used in the 7th century, and it shows up in our tantric literature. Um, tantra has been around longer than that time, but they didn't really quite understand quite what they were working towards. Um, and it took a little while to kind of put it all together with all of the ancient yogic texts, which I'm making a differentiation between tantra and yoga here. And um, this is the East Indian version of Tantra, not the Americanized Western version of Tantra, which is excessively different. And, you know, they learned in the 7th century, 13 centuries ago, that once the Kundalini was awakened, claimed through these Tantric sources, that it is the source of the entire world within the individual. And that's quite a sentence to start out with. And this makes sense if you understand the thinking of the more ancient Sankhya philosophies from which all of this came, in which the world was brought into being via Shakti or Prakriti. Um, they're the same thing. They have different words. They're slightly different um, when you get into depth about them, but suffice it to say these both stem from pure divine energy. That's what they're all about. And the notion of these energies as having either fallen or emerged or shot out from the heart of or the the uh, energy space of Sankhya Yoga term for pure spirit or pure awareness or the transcendental nature of the universe. Here Purusha, which is pure awareness as I'm going to use it now, is absolutely distinct from Prakriti or the cosmos. So let me just back up for two seconds and explain this. Let's say that there was just empty space and it held pure awareness, but in that real advanced um, spiritual form that we cannot wrap our heads around. 
And from that space came everything that you see, the universe, the cosmos in its entirety, all of the planets and the galaxies and, and eventually us, every blade of grass. And Purusha cannot become manifest because it's too pure of an energy, and boy, that sounds really judgmental, but it's the best way that I can explain it in a short period of time. Purusha then creates this prakriti or this, um, let's say, this energy that of shakti, which is pure energy, that then becomes manifest, becomes gross in form, meaning very solid. And that is the universe that we see. I mention this because these concepts are essentially similar to you and I and the kundalini. Born into a world or into a universe that lacks awareness in its gross, dense form. Similarly, we lack awareness when we are born also. But we are provided the job of bringing awareness into being, into the manifest realm. This is our purpose, not only just for ourselves, but for our communities, for the world at large, and for the greater universe. This is why I start with the concept of Kundalini's first textual textual usage back in Tantra 13 centuries ago as a reminder of our job, like what we're here to do on a collective level as well as individually. This is also the nature and the purpose of Kundalini. Because as with most things, one needs some of that energy in existence already to kind of like get the ball rolling. You must first have some measure of awareness or consciousness already in order for Purusha or the infinite, the pure spiritual awareness, the divine to arise in you in its liberated form through the Kundalini in order to bring true awareness to the outer world or cosmos, thus transcending the limits of self in the process. Last month, I spoke of the letters of the Sanskrit alphabet as being inscribed on the lotus petals of each chakra. I explained what they were about, so if you didn't get to listen to that show, it's really important that you check it out. Here today, I'm saying that these are activated through kundalini rising. So as kundalini goes through, moves through each chakra, all of this latent divine energy is brought into being. And they are the primary shaktis, the primary energy of the generative matrix of the universe itself, the divine, the God goddess, right? Specifically, there are three prime shaktis, like there are three prime nadis. The nadis, if you remember, are the energy lines that run through the physical body, kind of like what we use in acupuncture or acupressure or are understood as the meridian lines. These three are, of course, the ida, the pingala, and sushumna, which we're going to mostly speak of today, the sushumna. And these are awakened and brought into being of pure awareness 
And these three underlie all of the three prime vowels of the Sanskrit words. The first three vowels of the Sanskrit alphabet. And the one is A, which is the Anuttara Shakti, the power of consciousness, the power of pure consciousness. E, Ika Shakti, or the power of will. And three, Unamesha Shakti, or the power of unfolding or insight. And when we work with the Kundalini, when the Kundalini finally rises in us, these three are highlighted. And we go through the rest of our lives, our existence in this plane of awareness, wielding the pure power of consciousness, the pure power of will, and the pure power of this unfolding or insight that makes everything clear and understood. And we must learn to work with these three energies consciously in some measure first to get that kundalini ball rolling. So now let's just kind of look at what is kundalini exactly. It's a psycho-spiritual energy or force that is shakti, like I mentioned before, at the human level. And that is what Georg Feuerstein tells us. It is both the divine force or energy of kundalini in one way and prana or life force or vital force in another way. As a matter of fact, most people often mistake the energy movements that occur in their body as kundalini when it really usually is prana moving. And if you guys remember from past um, radio shows, I've spoken about prana as being the most important thing that anybody can ever really learn about. Understanding what prana is, how it moves in the body, what it does for you. I mean, it is the life force energy. So being able to tap into it consciously and understand it is immense. And especially when you're speaking of kundalini, because they are the same. But let's say that one is like the super condensed concentrated form of prana, which of course is the kundalini. And prana is the nice, soft, gentle, easy, flowing, very simplistic, you don't need to really do much to bring it into being type of energy. Also, since prana is the precursor to actual kundalini movement, it kind of makes sense that it's most often mistaken as kundalini energy. And a lot of what's written down out there in books especially from the Western perspective, I find is more speaking of prana, just kind of an FYI. The nadis I have been speaking of come into play very purposefully with regards to prana and the kundalini. We know that there are thousands, if not tens of thousands, of nadis in the physical body and that they connect the physical body and the chakras to the subtle bodies. Prana or life force energy moves through many of these lines, although some do remain, let's say, um, absent of movement or, or dormant. And all of this happens, you know, unbeknownst to us until things kind of go wrong or, or we awaken to them. 
And at certain stages of your evolution, we then awaken to the flow of energy in and around us, and we recognize what prana is, and then we recognize what kundalini is. Usually, the third eye chakra, or at least the the shuddha, the throat center, must be active in order for one to perceive of either of these movements. By the way, just as an FYI, I teach a practice that helps people to awaken to and actually come to direct prana's movement inside the nadis and inside the bodies. But we'll save that for another radio show. All nadis move energy in the physical and subtle bodies and in the chakras. The shushunna is the only nadi that is dormant. Thickest one. It's the thickest one. It's the longest one. And the stimulation of your personal conscious awareness or enlightenment can bring that into being or it can rise on its own. And when prana moves, it feels different, you know, in different people. But mainly it seems to manifest in most people, and I'm using things that everybody will recognize here, as like butterflies or prickles or ants. It can also, um, you can also find that these are similar descriptors for kundalini, but again, that's going to be on like a super condensed, really hyper uh, level. So it's, it's, it's like one is really gentle prana and one is really intense kundalini. Personally, I feel prana flow as kind of a controlled rush these days because I've been working with it for many years now. And don't freak out when I say this, but I feel it much like the energy flow that you feel when you have anxiety, right? Only there's no fear. There's no emotional upset, none of the, the negatives that come with anxiety, right? But I use this analogy because so many people understand this these days. And what I invite you to do in yourself for just a moment here is to try to describe that feeling that, you know, that physical movement or that sense of energy in your body that you feel with anxiety, but describe it to yourself without the emotional upset or the panic, right? It's kind of like a blooming or a blossoming of energy that, for me, mainly starts in, like, either the second chakra or the third chakra or the heart chakra, and then it expands outward in all directions from its center in a very paced and a very controlled fashion. Feels like heat or like light. Energy movement, like, really deep inside. It can often also be accompanied by burps, and that's classic prana movement. Um, And there's five forms of prana, which I'm not going to get into today, one of which being udana, and udana is the one that brings up the belching because it's there in your body to bring energy up from the pit of your belly and out. So, yeah, sounds like a belch to me, a burp. If you had an angel come by and hold its hand over your heart and you felt that energy blossom and expand in all directions,
maybe that could be a good kind of description. Sometimes I feel it as like a lot of excitement. Like when I was in my teens, I used to always feel it as a lot of excitement or giddiness. And even now, I often will feel it as giddiness to the point that sometimes it feels like it's tickling, like that right before you're going to laugh, you get that tickle sense. And then sometimes I end up just laughing out loud because it tickles that much. It's uplifting. It's encouraging. Sometimes it brings on, you know, like light heart palpitations or a sense of maybe lightness of being or insight. But you can kind of think of it as like this moving block of energy versus a single strand or a thread of energy, which is more like kundalini, and especially in the beginning stages. Kundalini in the beginning stages often goes unnoticed because it's like this little teeny tiny thread of propelled energy that might shoot up the spine, and it may only move one chakra. And you might be like, whoa, I just had some weird feeling in my sacrum, or I had a weird feeling, you know, behind my heart, or I had this weird feeling in my belly. What was that? Well, that would most likely be either prana moving or kundalini. So I think that at this point in time, it would probably be a good idea to take a caller. But I want you to realize that kundalini in its beginning stages is very, very subtle and most of the time goes unnoticed. It's only when it gets wild and crazy and concentrated and super intense that we take serious notice because we have no choice at that point in time. So Claudia, do we have a caller that we can um, speak to or speak with or do you have a question maybe that I can answer at this time? Um, yeah, we have Keisha from Georgia here with us. Hello? Keisha? I wonder if she yeah. got disconnected. Yeah, I don't know. Well, um, so you, we're talking about prana and we're talking about kundalini and we're talking about a lot of uh, other types of energies. <sighs> when that happens, how can someone just know which one is which and do they have different purposes like like you mentioned some of them are part of the energy of light and they are there to bring manifestation of the other energy that is uh, full awareness. So the, the, the idea that they exist and that we can work with them and how do we know when we're working with one, when we're working with the other? Do we choose to work with one when we're trying to do something with the other, when we're trying to achieve something different? Do we even use them without knowing we're using them? All great questions. I love asking you to ask questions because you always come up with great questions. So, yeah, you know, if we learn to understand that this universe, this reality in which we exist is all comprised of energy, it makes everything so much easier, right? We can be seduced by the illusion of 
the material, of the solid, of the wall that's right next to you that you can knock on and cannot put your hand through. But that's because we don't understand how energy works. You know, most, most of the physicists and other folks, other scientists of the world today, you know, I mean, we've understood for a couple hundred years that energy moves at different rates. Some at times it moves very slowly, very sporadically, very gently, and at other times it moves very, very quickly and very intensely and very thoroughly um, and continuously. So if we think of just to make this really clear and put it in black and white because we do live in a duality reality. If we think of the divine as very fast, continually flowing, very intense, full throttle energy of the highest nature, then we understand Purusha. We understand that this is, this, we come from the heart of the divine when we look at it that way. The Bible says, God said, let there be light. Well, so that was the manifestation, one of the first, the earliest manifestations of this energy of the divine becoming manifest in the world or manifest in the universe in actuality. And when I say world, I mean the overall, not necessarily earth itself. The same within us. Prana is that manifested form of energy that is the life force. That is our essential nature. If you were to take everything away from us and only take us down to that very um, essence of self, you would find we were all energy. We all are energy, and that is prana. And that life force energy manifests in different ways, which creates the diversion that you see everywhere, meaning the, the device, the, the, the diverse, sorry, the diverse amount of different things that we see, from a grain of sand to a blade of grass to a bird to a human to a building, right, all filled with prana, moving at different speeds. When we bring the kundalini into being, that's more like, let's say, the cosmic fire, if I could put it that way. That's more like the energy of the cosmos, the energy of the design, in as much as our physical bodies can handle. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't go well and the physical body doesn't handle it well and it, like, short circuits everything because it's too intense or it's too fast or it's too continuous. But, you know, I don't like to start out with that because I don't want to, you know, make people freak out. But, you know, usually everything goes in these small incremental movements to where finally we are ready for the big event, let's say, the, the big, uh, put in quotes, kundalini rising. Until that point in time, prana's job is to move itself throughout your being. It feeds your cells. It feeds your brain. It feeds your nervous system. It brings you to optimal health. It uh, keeps you alive if you do not have prana. 
and it is not moving in your body, your body ceases to exist. It dies. That's it. So we're just taking this, let's say, normal fact of life, normal fact of being, and we're supercharging it into the kundalini. And that usually is done very incrementally throughout life until such time as all of the um, aspects in you that would keep you from being able to honor the divine and self is removed. So all of the negativities, all of the falsehoods, all of the illusions, all of the fears, all, all of these aspects that we as, as consciously evolving individuals work continuously to try to transcend. All of those kind of get battered and smashed and churned up and dissolved by the kundalini, which sounds both kind of good and bad. I mean, some of us would be like, yes, put me in line for letting go of dissolving my negativities. That'd be fabulous. Can we do this tomorrow? Thank you. And then some of us, you know, have it happen in that nice, sweet, gentle, oh, that dissolved. Bye-bye. No longer a thought in my mind. And some of it gets battered. I mean, sometimes I have experienced and have seen in others kind of like this, um, like a piston action in the, in the in the car, right, where the kundalini comes along and just goes and keeps banging against the negativity or the, the negative energy or whatever until such time as it dissolves or it breaks apart. That's not necessarily so fun, quite frankly. But... Once the channel is cleared, if you think of a river and the river has a bunch of crap in it, it has a, the, the water has a hard time flowing through it. But once that crap is cleared out, say some very kind humans come along and remove all of that crap, then kundalini energy or the water flow is perfect. It's unhindered and it moves. So it takes you from let's say, a more base form of lifestyle or living or understanding life or outlook to a very high perspective. It takes you to understanding the ultimate of the ultimate, the mysteries of mysteries. And it doesn't do it overnight, which is great because, you know, I don't know about you, but my brain would probably fry out. You know, it's not that light switch that turns on and you go, oh, it's one of those things where you realize things over a period of time as kundalini moves and or once it moves. If you have the version of kundalini that is like lightning or fire through the entirety of your being, traveling from the root chakra up the spine and out the top of the head, you might have that same sense of, you know, I understand the all of the all, but I understand the all of the all in a nanosecond. And now my brain has to try to figure out what the heck I just understood. And I have to try to like, work with that. It's a lot easier when it comes slowly, right? So we have this kundalini 
which kunda means bowl or ceremonial fire pit, which is my favorite version of, of explaining this. Because you have two. You have the kunda, that is the, the bowl or repository for prana in the belly, which I think is why the Buddha is always contemplating his navel. And then you also have a, another one in the base of the spine in the root chakra. So this is the place where kundalini, it lies dormant. It's perceived of as being coiled oftentimes and is expressed in the word kundalini itself because kundala has to do, or kundal, I should say, has to do with the word coil. And it's like this um, inert energy that has like a spring kind of curled around itself. But the thing that's interesting here is that it's always depicted as being coiled around a lingam. A, um, a stone, a sacred stone that is found only in the Ganges in India, nowhere else in the world. And it's like this oblong thing, um, and tubular in shape, obviously, which if you take away the sacral bones, the, the wings of the sacral bones, and you have the tailbone, the coccyx, and the lower spine area, it looks very much like that. Funny enough, it also looks very much like the um the the brain stem at the bottom of the brain that connects into the spinal cord and to me these are very important imageries that we get from india because this inert energy is sleeping it's resting at the base of the spine curled around the base of the spine restricting access to the nervous system and thus to the brain when it awakens it can either rise up slowly and sleepily and gently or it can shoot straight up like lightning and move through the brain stem and into the brain and why I find this as important is because here we again have the unconscious and the conscious, the snake being depicted as unconscious or the energy being inert, and then it awakening. And you need to say here, you know, that snakes are sacred in India. They carry the wisdom. They are the representation of pure consciousness, period. And so that pure consciousness rises up and awakens the brainstem and awakens part of the brain that is dormant, just like the kundalini was at the beginning. You know, it's said that we only work with 10% of our brains. That's a pitiful small amount. I remember watching a movie once, and these higher beings were calling all of us of <laughs> humans down here on Earth little brains. I thought that was hilarious because we only worked with 10% of the brains and some of us not even that much. <laughs> so they were like, oh, you poor little, little brain. <laughs> that makes me giggle. But anyway, so the Kundalini rises. It is pure consciousness. It awakens all of these dormant aspects of self. And we come to realize our true nature, what we really are 
as human beings experiencing this reality. It's the hallmark of what Kundalini is all about. So I think that when we look at it and we put this together with the first thing I said when I came in to the show today, the universe is manifesting its own consciousness through everything that we see, through reality. And it's our job as being manifest in this reality to also bring consciousness to it in our own individual ways and also on a collective level. And that is exactly what Kundalini does. It takes that which is there in us and awakens it, brings it into being. And, you know, so the Nadi lines, like the Sushumna, that carry the prana in the beginning, that carry this life force energy, kind of paves the way for that, if you want to think of it that way. And, you know, I've never described them to you before, but they look like fiber optics. All of us have seen fiber optics by now. And you know how that it's a really thin, kind of like a tube, and and it's all lit up, and it's it lights up out of the end mostly in fiber optics, but it's also lit, out, lit up the entire length. And that's what these knotty lines look like when you see them on the subtle level where they actually exist. The only difference is that the Sushumna, where Kundalini lies, the main, the big honcho knotty that runs up the spine is like not quite fist-sized. Not say not quite wrist size. I mean, I know some of you guys out there that have big arms might be looking at your wrist going, holy crap. And, you know, I'm a little girl, so my wrists are really tiny, and I can look at that and go, yes, that's about right. That's about the right size. And there are actually three nadis that comprise the main sushimna, the inner, the outer, and then the one in the middle. I had mentioned before that, you know, you might have a kundalini rising from the root chakra to the second chakra. That's it. Maybe that's all you get this lifetime. Maybe in other lifetimes you're meant to raise the kundalini more. But also I want to say that you can have it to differing degrees. If we think of the sushumna as this main trunk, this overall tube that has these three other little fiber optic tubes in it, and you fill one of those fiber optic tubes with, let's say, golden light, and that goes to the second chakra, and you fill another one of the tubes with, let's say, red light, just to make this easy to see in your mind, and that goes to the heart chakra, and then you have another one that goes up to the throat, Now you can start to see kundalini does not have to rise all at once. And in actuality, it is a great blessing and favor to us when it doesn't. Because it gives us time, it buys us time to really integrate all of this new energy, all of this new understanding, all of this new outlook on the world, all that, you know, has transpired and all of the awakening and come to really integrate that and understand what that's all about and why. That is such a great blessing. 
But I really want to say that this Shakti, this Kundalini power, this supreme power called Kundalini brings eternal consciousness. It's a, it brings a radical switch. When it rises all the way to the crown chakra, it brings a radical shift in personal understanding and consciousness and awareness. And it immensely alters your perception of self, your perception of reality, of what individuation is, oneness. It can even alter the length of your actual lifespan. So Kundalini brings a lot into being. And, you know, it's not something that I would say the uninitiated, the uninitiated, I'm having such a great time speaking today. (laughs) Uninitiated. Uninitiated. (laughs) It's not for, you know, any, just anybody to go, please bring me Kundalini. Right? I mean, that's why I stressed in the beginning that you need a little bit of the same to start with. Right? Like, could you imagine if a little teeny tiny baby was born with superhuman strength, like like we hear of in, in the Superman stories, right? This little teeny tiny baby would grab the bottle but it wouldn't know its own strength, and so the bottle would just completely disintegrate into, you know, glass shavings or whatever, right? It's that kind of thing. If the uninitiated really, and I don't mean that you have to go out and get actual initiation, but I'm just saying if, if, if you are just listening to this radio show and you've never heard of anything before in your life and you've been watching reality TV shows for the last, you know, however many years and, and, you know, just kind of third, then maybe this is not for you. You know, you want to start by bringing in some kind of awareness of self and understanding of your reality previously so that you have something to build upon, so that you understand your own strength when it arrives. And, you know, to be really honest, Claudia, it can bring on physical illnesses, nervous system problems, there are people that have actually literally gone mad. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a serious thing. It's an important thing. It's a very real thing. There are people in the Bible, stories in the Bible, in which they finally, quote, unquote, see God. And they always see it in the form of light, right? They see the divine always in the form of light. And they always freak out. And they're like, oh, my God. And they're crying and cowering and whatnot. I think that if you could imagine being that individual and looking at something that's outside of yourself and going, holy cow, well, or holy divine, watching that, you can understand how they might freak out. Now, take that manifestation of that light that they're seeing and put that inside your body. Sometimes those of us who just, you know, are here to really enjoy life and don't need to be bothered with this because it's your good karma to have been brought into a vacation life, like, you know, enjoy that. And, and, and 
you know, if you want to create greater awareness and greater consciousness, that's great. Go for that. But don't go for, like, the ultimate, 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 which the kundalini actually brings. Because, you know, if you haven't worked on your stuff, when it comes, it's going to do that piston job of bang, 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 bang on your issues until you, your mind and your being are purified. So that your, your nervous system is harmonious with this new energy. And I've experienced this myself. Claudia, once I was, I was in a situation where I couldn't stop vomiting. This was in 1992, and I had only been in Colorado maybe, I don't know, nine months or maybe a year. Um, and I just couldn't stop vomiting for whatever reason. And so my husband called the EMTs, and they came, and they immediately gave me a product called Fenegrin. Um, and it's an injectable thing that makes you stop vomiting. Well, <laughs> it put me into convulsions in actuality. And, you know, the medical community would say, well, that is an allergic reaction, an acute allergic reaction to fenugreek. Well, yeah, and sometimes kundalini manifests that way. So let me explain what I experienced. They took me to the hospital, and because I was convulsing, they had me tied down to the table, like in those big straps. And I would lay there, and I would say, oh, my God, Dave, I can feel the energy building. It's going to come again. And it would be like this amazing rush of this incredibly powerful energy that would start, I could feel it building in the base of my spine, literally in my root chakra. And then it would shoot for all it was worth up my spine and would literally lift me off the table straps and all. And, you know, doctors are standing there going, what the heck? And it would then, you know, as soon as it lifted me off the table, I'd fall back down and be like, oh, my God, and then it would start all over again. And I don't know how many of those I went through. I have to tell you, I honestly, I have no idea. And um, I totally can say to you, I don't know whether that was Kundalini rising in a big way. I believe it was. But even if it wasn't, that is my equivalent for understanding this energy in its extreme form. And I want to, again, reiterate that it doesn't have to come in its extreme form. I've had kundalini risings that I have experienced before and afterwards, after that, in these little teeny tiny lovely or sometimes irritating ways, but always gained this sense of clarity and understanding afterwards. And I did after that experience as well. And probably one of the biggest understandings and awareness jumps I've, I've made. I went from being like basically, you know, dull asleep to <laughs> being awake in the world. And, and it, was, it was quite shocking in every sense of the word. So hopefully that helps you guys to understand some of this. Claudia, I'm assuming that we don't have um, anybody who's calling in today yet? And we're, we're waiting for people to press number one. But it's sad to, so what would be the purpose of having um, 
If you have a Kundalini awakening, do you have a purpose of doing something with that Kundalini yourself for the world? Like, I've seen a lot of um, people that do this awakening, the Kundalini is for others. Do they have to first go through that? Is your job to help other people awake the Kundalini? What what would you what do you think it is? Well, I would say for myself it definitely was. It awakened me um, to higher levels of my work. Before that, I was doing some um, trans channeling and I was doing some psychic work, but that changed on a dime. Like the level of that went from you know zero to sixty after that experience, um, big time. And so I was able to do far more with, let's say, my abilities, or I was able to do uh, far greater work with that, just, just to put it in clear terms. Whether that's for my soul growth, serving others in that manner, or whether that's for the sake of the world, doesn't really matter to me. Honestly, It's all the same. I do for myself. I do for others. Yeah, I do for others. Yeah, yeah. And I, understand. I don't. I don't consciously do it that way because that's not the purpose. That's not the goal to do it for myself or to do it for others. I I do it because it needs to be done, and I do it because I'm compelled to do it. And and from from my perspective, that's coming from the heart. Right, so I just work from the heart, and maybe at the end of this lifetime, the divine will say to me, "Nice job, give me a lollipop." <laughs> or maybe, <laughs> or maybe at the end of the lifetime, my, my you know the divine will say to me, "Well, you know, you kind of missed the boat a little bit, but it doesn't matter because I'm working from my heart." And I'm sure that the divine will be like, "Yay, you worked from your heart. That's fabulous. Here's again your lollipop." So. <laughs> Okay, so like why, you know, why don't we bring Mary to the show and see what questions she has? That would be lovely. Thank you. Hey, Mary. Ah, thank you. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Um, I a few years ago, I was working with a spiritual teacher, and she did this. I don't know what you would call it, but she worked energetically, and she did some sort of energy thing that caused my kundalini to rise, and it would come up um, from the base, and it, I could feel it uncoiling, and it would rise up, and it would like as it was rising, it would my lungs would totally engulf, fill up to the maximum, and I could feel it come up, and then my body would start rising up. I would be lying down and my body would start rising up and slamming up and down. And anyway, I experienced that several different times with her over a period of time. And I'm wondering how that affected me, if I'm still being affected by that. If I, I'm really 
I really want to grow spiritually in this lifetime. That that's that's so important to me, and I want to do the right thing. And and I just wonder if that did affect me in a positive way, and if that still is affecting me. And what I, what can I do to uh, continue? Um, I guess raising my vibration, my consciousness, growing spiritually. Well, I love your description because that sounds kind of similar to what I explained. And um, when, I, when I was listening to you, I was watching a, let's say, a little movie, movie of that situation um, with your teacher called Shaktipat. And that's another fun word, Shaktipat. If anybody has seen uh, Dr. Strange, the movie Dr. Strange, the, the woman guru of all of them, um, the master, does Shaktipat on um, Cumberbatch, Dr. Strange himself, when he first comes to the, the ashram and essentially what she does is she knocks him out of his body so that he's able to see his spiritual self his soul self and no longer identify himself on the level of the physical and what you are explaining or or describing is another form of shaktipat which is shakti the energy that i've spoken of many times in our class today with the word pot, P-A-T, after it, or in the same word. Um, And it's essentially where somebody is able to um, invoke a spiritual awakening of some type and give that to another individual. It's a gift. It's an astounding gift. Um, And very few people have that um, gift. So, you know, the fact that she was able to do that with you several times is pretty amazing um, and pretty pretty uh, Im- important for you to recognize what it was. So, yes, it is the spiritual awakening. It is this opening to this divine aspect of self. And it comes across to me that you are still integrating this that you're still trying to work with a lot of that energy. And it's not saying anything against you. I mean, this energy is huge, right? So it takes time. It just takes time for us to be able to kind of like sort through it. Think about it as if you you went into a bathroom and it was filled with all of these boxes of papers and you had to go through that as opposed to, you know, maybe going through an entire house filled with boxes and boxes and boxes of papers and having to go through that, right? It takes time. So, you know, I mean, it has nothing to do whether you're doing right or you're doing wrong. I think that you are still integrating this. And I want to say to you something that I was going to say in my closing statements about Kundalini, and I, and I recognize we're going to go over time here a little bit um, today. So that's fine with me. I'm happy to do so and to answer any other questions that are out there. But what I, I want to say is that it's important for us to understand, call for the higher self to integrate with us while we go through these 
kundalini shifts so that we remain focused on what these shifts are about, which is the integration of this higher soul or divine energy in the physical body. And we don't get caught up and over-focus on some of those aspects of self that are being um, dissolved or, or disintegrated that no longer serve us, right? Some of these negatives that I spoke of earlier today, perhaps. And whenever I find it comes through in such a shocking manner like it did with you, Mary, I feel like it really is moving a whole bunch of stuff. (laughs) And you could say stuff or you could say crap, but, you know, it's a whole bunch of energy in you that is being transmuted, transformed, transfigured in that moment of time that that kundalini energy is moving and rising. Does that make more sense to you? Oh, yes. Yes. Does it answer your question? I mean, obviously, you're going to want to continue to grow and change spiritually and continue to learn. I mean, that's part of what this does. It gives you that that hunger for that understanding and to bring your conscious mind to clarity on all of this, right? Yeah, and I, I'm no longer working with that teacher. She's no longer available, but it makes me wonder if I will have an experience like that again on my own or if it usually has to be initiated, you know, by someone. It does not have to be initiated by someone. It does have to be initiated by either time, i.e., your cosmic alarm clock went off and boom, here comes Kundalini, or soul choice saying, okay, well, this wasn't scheduled for this time, but let's go ahead and put it in there now because it'll work really well, right? That kind of a thing, right? Or it can be given through Shaktipat like what you had. Okay, I see. Okay. So let me answer your unspoken question here. Hold on. So I'm not seeing any more Shakti Pats coming to you this lifetime. And, you know, I want to tell you how immensely rare that is. I have no idea whether you had three of them or you had five of them, but it doesn't matter. Just the fact that you had one of them. The majority of humans on this planet will go lifetime upon lifetime, maybe hundreds of lifetimes before they are given such a gift as Shakti Pat. This is immense. And blessing wow. that you had it. What great karma that you got that. And I would say, you know, continually ask for your higher self to integrate with you, further integrate with you, and to um, ask for greater clarity and understanding and usage of what you have been given. Okay. That's my advice. Now, okay. that doesn't mean... That doesn't mean that you won't get any other kundalini raisings this lifetime. I'm speaking solely of Shaktipat. You will not get any more Shaktipats this lifetime. It's not for me to say whether your soul is going to choose to initiate any more kundalini rising for you, right? Does that make sense? You're so welcome, Mary. Thank you so much for calling today and offering such valuable information into this call. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we have reached 
uh, the end of today's show. So as always, Sati, what, what else do, do you do? We need to know before we finish. Thank you so much for saying that. I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> one final thing about Kundalini that is very rarely spoken of. Like I'm talking about, if at all. Some folks in India know about this, but only, you know, initiated tantrics that have been on the path for a long time. So what I'm about to tell you guys is something you rarely hear. So listen up. Kundalini is not just about the rising of this psycho-spiritual electrical energy at the base of the spine and running all the way through to the crown chakra. Also, about the simultaneous descension of the higher self. That's what makes the whole thing really work. Now, I'm not saying you cannot have one without the other. You can. And I, after studying this phenomena for a while, have come to wonder and I'm not saying I've come to the conclusion of, I'm saying I've come to wonder if that's not why some folks tend to have more negative issues with kundalini rising than those who don't. And what I'm saying is that maybe those that have some of the negative issues with kundalini rising do so because the higher self is not simultaneously descending and integrating into the individual at the same time and so they're left focusing with on the challenges and on the issues that were being burnt through by this sacred spiritual energy i also want to say that if you think of your root chakra as the chakra you ground into, and we know that the seventh chakra, the crown chakra at the top of the head, is the root chakra for the higher self, it makes sense that the higher self has to descend as we ascend and that we meet in the middle. And that is the true process of Kundalini rising. Now, this is written of in the ancient tantric texts. Very few of them speak of it, and even fewer have read them and know about it. I've been lucky enough to have had some great teachers that have helped me to understand some of this. But I really want to say that, you know, it makes sense. So it's something for us to kind of consider. As we move forward out of the um, Kali Yuga, out of this age of disinformation and, and ignorance, and we move forward to understanding more of who we really are as spiritual beings in this body, and we move into what's called the Dwapara age or the age of Aquarius, we're going to come to understand Kundalini a whole lot more because it's going to have to happen to a whole lot more of us. <laughs> Because that is one of the aspects of Dwapara, is that a certain percentage of individuals are going to have to have Kundalini rising and have that, that active divinity in, in a certain percentage of the populace of humanity. 
So I leave you with all of those tantalizing thoughts. And I hope that if you have any questions, you'll email me or you'll listen to the show again or you'll maybe come on to the next show, which we're just going to do readings, straight up readings. But if anybody has any other questions on any of the stuff I've covered, please bring them to that show. I would love to continue our discussion on this. And that will be the first Friday in June, as always. Ms. Claudia, I hope that this has brought some clarity to um, Kundalini, a very confusing and challenging subject sometimes to speak about. I hope that I helped to make it clear today. Yeah, one more step into clarity. <laughs> well, thank you one so much, Sati, and thank you everybody that is listening. And again, if you want to contact Sati directly, go to seekingdivinity.com. And remember, she's going to start her online certification for the chakras and for the tarot. So contact her and get your name there if you want to learn more. Um, thank you, Sati, and have a beautiful weekend, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for saying that. Yay, happy Mother's Day. I actually get to go see my oldest daughter, who I have not seen since 1999, and my new little granddaughter. I'm so excited. I get, I'm doing that this uh, next week. So yay for me. But yay. happy Mother's Day, everybody. Go see your friends and your family and your daughters and mothers. Love to you all. Blessings. Thank you, Claudia. Thank you, Sati.